You're now listening to the Open Africa podcast with Laulu, Nosa, and Furo. On this episode. Okay, thanks for the cue. On this episode of the Open Africa podcast, we will be discussing um, the recent foreign exchange changes in Nigeria and just general happenings in the industry. And as a disclaimer, we're recording remotely, so please bear with any sound quality issues. First things first, before we jump jump into the foreign exchange conversation, we will briefly discuss um, retail changes in the retail crypto space. Um, Bundle recently shut down their exchange business and Pillow. Nosa, would you like to go ahead and speak about Bundle and Pillow? Pillow, Pillow I think, was some Indian guys. Um, I remember they reached out on LinkedIn a while ago for that should come and test their app. They were off the promising Nigerians a way to hedge their savings in USD. Like they're doing USD savings and talking about how they're better than, you know, the usuals. Um, I think they, they, they didn't spend a significant, but they spent a decent amount of marketing because I kept seeing them in lots of interesting places. Like for instance, Benjamin Dada did like some article on um on how you can save money in Nigeria, blah, blah, blah. And Pillow was there, but Risevest was not there. And I thought it was very odd. Um, but yeah, they had an interesting entry into the market and it just quietly went out of like left the space. Uh, so that was the first one. Then Bundle. And Bundle, I think Bundle is, most, is very significant because of all the local players doing retail crypto, I think Bondo was probably one of the biggest ones in terms of the volumes they're doing. And they too are backing out from retail, like just offering the exchange. Uh, They decided to just focus on their P2P cash link business, essentially, um, which is kind of what Accru is doing. And speaking of Accru, that's what Bitcoin, at least Bitcoin sold their retail business to Accru. And they just, they're focusing on pro traders. Anyway, long and short of it is that more and more people are realizing that as the buzz has died down and outside has opened and markets have changed, these regular civilians are not really into trading like was. Like that was a COVID phenomenon. It was not the new normal. Like people wanting to sit down and buy, look at charts and whatnot is not normal behavior. Like it's not what people do. People don't buy Nigerian stocks or buy stocks and just monitor. I mean, that is it's a, it's still a very niche thing. And that was never going to be the way crypto is going to break into mainstream consciousness, for lack of a better term. So, yeah. Um, these, I mean, it's it's hard out for everybody else, but I think crypto has been affected a lot, and there's lots of soul searching. So perhaps maybe we'll see like true solutions come out of the space rather than everybody just building an an exchange. Mm. I mean, it'll be interesting to see. 
this is a very this is a side news, but since the whole thing, I've not been able to access my funds in a crew, but I'll try again. I'll try again. Um anyways. With bundle though, um surely I think the pivot is linked to the foreign exchange regime, the new foreign exchange regime in Nigeria, correct? Mm, I won't say exactly. It's just mm-hmm. I think they just weren't seeing any that much activity like before. I think because sorry, go ahead. I think they have a decent business in Cashlink where they offer a way for at least Binance for people to unwrap onto Binance via their different like Cashlink agents. So and I think that's one of the most most as I said, but that's one of the more fascinating things that have come out of crypto. So this these guys are like POS agents, but digital POS agents for crypto. So essentially, if you're topping up, they are matching you with a guy that can sell you maybe USDT to onboard onto the service and you give the guy an error. And they just have like a whole network of that. Like Accra has even done, done the same thing similar, but they do it like they've done it in Ghana, they're doing it in like Cameroon, done it in Nigeria, and they just have like a whole network. And it essentially powers their cross-border business where they say you can send money to Ghana for cheap. Essentially, you're sending money to a Ghanaian agent. The Ghanaian agent is paying your recipient. And Accru is trying to spin that off into a commerce play. Like they're doing a Shopify type thing where merchants can, you can accept money, Accru commerce, you can accept money from anyone, anyone in the world, blah, blah, blah. So I think it's also fascinating. I think that that particular use case is an interesting thing that have come out that has come out of Nigerian adapting to like realities of crypto. Yeah. Yeah. I think the fall in the interest in, in terms of like active trading just coincided with um the the start of the crypto winter where people just started getting burnt. Because I know a lot of people who got into crypto around um like before that happened and were you know actively trading um but yeah i think you're absolutely right um the the use cases that i'm more interested in and i've always said it is the global south is plagued with you know on serious governments i need a product that lets me take my money save it in some some form of a store of value in an outside jurisdiction that my useless governments cannot touch. For me, that has always been the use case. For many people within the middle class, I'm sure it's the use case as well. I've not seen the efficiency. Like I know that you can do that with stable coins and all of that, but I've not seen like people double down on that, like just providing like global banking solutions like riding on on cryptocurrency and then international payment solutions as well like i don't feel that enough people are looking at it and in terms of just making it available for the masses and simplifying that god awful use user experience when it comes to like dealing with crypto it is ridiculous those are use cases that i would like to see um but again this could just be me Sha. But that's those yeah. are problems I expect crypto to be fixing. And I think those are problems that, at least in the global south, 
those are problems that the winners will fix. Like not all these moon coin, zoo coin, zuga coin shit that they're they're doing. Um, like you have people that buy because there's a, the band list is still there, which we'll segue into once we after this. But the band list is still there, and you have all these people trying to buy, say you have a you're trying to buy things off AliExpress, maybe or not maybe not AliExpress. You have like a shipper, you're doing drop shipping, or you're doing you're buying hair. You're buying hair. You order from a factory in China. There's no, there's no, it's still very, international trade is still very USD dominated. So the normal way for you, for you and will be doing, maybe traditionally you go to your bank, you go get like a, an LC or something like that. And essentially just to help you make that payment in dollar. Now you could do an alternative thing where essentially, so you buy crypto, you use in maybe you buy USDT, which is easily accessible, and you sell that USDT for yen, and you pay your recipient. Now, the interesting companies are people that are trying to like bridge that thing where they say, I can help you send Naira to yen. And imagine doing that for exotic currencies where there's no, especially in Africa, where exotic, pair, ex, exotic currency pairs where there's not much even inflow outflow kind of thing maybe sending naira to zambian kwacha or something if you just have that middleman crypto obviously there are people that are interested in it if you can there's crypto interest there you buy usdt swap that usdt for kwacha you suddenly found a way to bridge those two currencies using a middle and middle middle currency elsewhere now imagine doing that for different currents currencies which I think is very interesting. All with when all these guys doing the cash link, accrue cash ramp, and all of that stuff, where they have all these agents. Because I've not seen. I mean, apart from Echo Bank, there's not that. If I say I wanted to send money to someone in Cameroon, there's not that many obvious op- options. So if someone actually like made that mainstream from Nigeria, you can send to anybody in Africa, or you can send to anyone in the world. Because again. Crypto people are everywhere in the world. There's always be somebody that's trying to trade in different places on like looking to unwrap or offer up. It's a it's a good use case to build to build out on. Yeah. So as a finance so, within it for a bit, I don't know like where they've landed with this. I know that at some point years ago they were trying to find legitimacy, came into Nigeria seeking. Um, some license. I'm not sure they ever got it. Um, but yeah, it would be nice to see more companies spin up like that. Heck, this is sort of project that I, I personally wouldn't even mind, you know, working on. I mean, Just if I was going to get into like parameters, yeah, get into like IMT business, like right now, I'll definitely go with building crypto, building on top of crypto rules. I think that's like one of the fastest way to do it. At least one of, um, it's like a novel way to do it. Anyway, yeah, but, but simplicity is the most important thing because whenever you're trying to do a basic transaction, I tell you to provide address and well, it's just long. I, I zoom yeah, out. yeah. So you just need yeah. someone that can abstract all of that because essentially I just need to collect Naira from you. I collect the Naira from you. I sell it for for Bitcoin. I sell it for a stablecoin, USDT. I sell that stablecoin that I've, I've sold to the local destination currency. I pay out the person you want to do. 
if you can automate that flow pretty much because that's kind of what 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 international trade is more or less we we all buy usd so we can trade with somebody but that person as if that person is spending usd they still convert the usd to their local currency and do whatever it is they want to do yeah anyways uh let us move on to the next thing which is the foreign exchange regime in nigeria um new government has basically announced a unification of exchange rates, meaning that your black market rates, CBN rates, bank rates are somewhat aligned. I won't say fully aligned because a bank who I shall not call out has been using me to play this past week because I think market rates have gone up to like 830, but they're still doing 750 if you're changing dollar in app. Um, But yeah. That has been an interesting. Oh, um, I mean, the, by also so because that band list still exists, um, and like because it's not like freely accessible for uh, you can't just go and get dollar for what you want. There's still a black market, and there's at the end of the, the demand for other for demand for dollars for things that are technically banned outstrips demand for dollar for things that are not banned so whatever these guys use is i and e window that your bank will use but the guys on road are doing black market rates is yeah, that that one that one unless so it was a it didn't unify it unified they unified well that's what I can say. They still kept they, they, gave an opportunity. Yeah, yeah, they opened it up to to market forces to for the market to make the the rate essentially. Um, the real problem, of course, is that it's still we're still at the mercy of like macroeconomic forces, right? Our production, what we're generating, our reliance on oil and all of that, um, bringing in in terms of generating, um, what's it called, FX, right? As a country, two, we still need FDI, and to get FDI, like foreign direct investment, which is like international investors bringing FX into your country for investment purposes. I'm not sure that we've done enough to make those guys comfortable because yes we've said okay we're no longer fixing this rate right at least for most of it because there's still some government type expenses that that rate they're still going to determine it by themselves i think i saw some clause like that in the in the policy that they released so there's there's a sense that we are still not doing enough to bring in that FDI, right? And then there are still the banned items as well, for which people must still attempt to source from a different, um, like outside of, you know, the regulated channels. So yes, it is progress, but it doesn't seem like it's a yeah. Enough. It's still it's still not. It's still not the full way. Yeah, like you used, yeah, still giving a a what's it called? They're still giving an opportunity for black market. So, like, look at things like 
importing rice, you can't source official official effects. Importing cement, you can't source official effects. Um, things like toothpicks, towels, like things very commercial activities that traders are doing, you can't source for effects for that. So as long as you still have that, well, you just have to there will still be a black market because those guys like importing clothes. You can't source for FX to import clothes. You can't source for FX to import textiles. You can't say you want to do uh, foreign investment, share purchases, all of that stuff with government from sourcing from banks. You have to go the other route. And these are significant industries. I mean, chicken. You can't import chicken with government FX. Can put Turkey government effects. A lot of food items that I mean, we import a lot of food, and if we are still keep, 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 keeping those guys outside of official FX window, they have to source social effects, and the demand in that side is significantly. Well, I won't say I don't have the numbers, so I don't say significantly more, but the market is saying that it's from what's still significant. Yes, because if there was no demand there. Yeah, if there's no demand there, black market guys don't have, don't need to, their prices are not going up. If yeah. You just follow the same IE window increase. The the interesting bit about that, that the, the chicken bit that you talked about, um, I don't know if those numbers have changed, but a couple of years ago, I remember um, one analyst saying that the entire production the entire poultry production in nigeria can't satisfy the demand in lagos alone so importing was necessary like as a matter of supply in the market and then deciding to exclude stuff like that from fx it just forced people because again these are things that have to be met right they are they are products that have to exist in in the Nigerian in um for consumers rather. So we we just we forced people there into the black market, and we're still not doing enough to get them out of there. On the maybe good news coming out of all of this is that banks have a lot more flexibility now with what to do with their with the effects that they get. Um, I know that in the past, I've been trying to find that policy just so that I'm not talking out of my rear end, but I've not been able to find it. The original policy that um, restricted what they could use the FX that they get for, I think that has been lifted too, which is why we're starting to see the likes of Wema, Go Money, you know, raise their, their USD limits, the likes of Stambik and GCB doing swaps which everybody is so excited for, but I feel the need to say was actually a thing before everything scattered. Like you could transfer from your DOM account to your Naira account and the bank will convert it at the prevailing bank rates. Like it's not a new feature. We just didn't have it for the longest time because of all the FX restrictions um, that have now been lifted. Yeah, because I mean, there's no incentive for you to trade, sell it at bank rate, for you to sell it there. Because if you are selling it, then Standard Chartered, well, last time, I, when I did it last time, Standard Chartered was doing official rates. So imagine if black market rate is like 750 and to change US, USD in your DOM account to whatever is at 400 or something, it made no sense. Mm-hmm. If a bank came out and announced that, oh, we have this feature at that time, 
I'd have called them stupid. But now is a more attractive feature to sell now because again, things have changed. Again, and it's not it's not all bad. Like the there's some yeah. things that they've done good with unification. I think first at the the first step unification of it is a good idea. Um they still there are half measures there and there, but it's a good idea. The whole remittance now, you can do remittances to Inara and Naira. Inara came out. They announced Inara first. I think maybe nobody really shake like that. Then they announced Naira. Now World Remit is doing remittance to Naira. More people are now doing remittance to Naira. Even I mean, come as a good time. Lemonade has gotten their IMTO license, so they would be they are fish. They can officially do like uh, remittance to Naira. They don't have to hide in the shadows as they're doing it before. Paga can now announce that they can do remittances. So it's all those little, those those changes I feel have been good, but it's still not the full, it's still, I would say it's half measures, but maybe quarter measures or three quarter measures. They just need to do the full thing with their chest. Yeah. Well, again, let's wait and see. A couple of people have been fighting us on, on Twitter over saying that these, you know, the changes won't suddenly make, you know, dollars available like that in the market. And I mean, I guess we are still being proven right. You can now spend up to 500, but exchange rates is still crossing 800 and many people are still going to the parallel markets. So these things are going to take time. They require, you know, consistency of policy. And then they actually require that, the government be serious about fixing it. So fingers crossed on on this, because God knows that we need it. We need a win yeah. somewhere in this in this beautiful country. Well, the thing is, like, we're suffering. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's good news or bad news, but I feel like yes, the ex- I think the increase in exchange rates has obviously is causing a lot of hardship in Nigeria today. Um, that's combined with the whole removal of subsidy. But, um, yeah, I think, well, regardless of who won in the last election, I feel like we're, we're in for some very painful times before we see some, you know, less painful times in this country. Um, yeah. So Lemonade Finance, Alert, and Go Money have gone into remittance are are making more noise, I guess, in the Ramitana space. Nosa, you sort of alluded to this a bit already. Do you want to deep yeah, dive? So, Lem- so Lemonade has gotten their IMTO license uh, officially, so which is a good thing as far as like their whole ambitions. Um, I Lem- think now they've like. By the way, sorry to interrupt. I'm, I'm sorry, I can't call the, I can't call them that name. Lem Five, I beg you. That's a very that's a very serious thing. Uh, but yeah, um, it's a more ambitious play. Uh, in, in fact, even this their whole rebranding thing, I think maybe their eyes have opened and seen a bigger gap in the markets as far as being more of a multi-currency world, not just for Nigerians, but targeting everyone else, but starting with Nigeria, which is a good thing. And I, and I like to step in direction. Um, same way Paga Paga has always had an had an MTO license, but I think you 
they, around when they got it and when it was around when things just went to went to hell so they couldn't really make much make much noise about it but then so they're also pump, propping up that noise and making some noise there so i think that's that's a it's a good thing in general like it's things are progressing one way like a lot of these changes are going to open up the markets um all these virtual card startups uh are going to have to significantly improve their offering like you your your entire product can be a virtual card you have to offer a bit more because now the banks can get into that game at least with time they will get into that game and people now say okay we have to differentiate somehow as you go on so all in all i think it's it's good news for everyone and for people that are saying that that's still i mean i think we've been proven right in the fact that it took a month after the announcement for the first person to say oh we've increased the dollar limit there's only two people that were announced wema increased to 500 um alerts increased to 100. now the private banking guys never for people that have private banking stuff it never really changed so providers platinum card is still like three thousand the, but that was not available for civilians anyway but as far as day-to-day it's still taking time before guys are coming out to their chest and saying oh okay you can now use our card anywhere it will be when gtb announces that i know that okay, we have finally crossed it <laughs> Anyways, speaking of gtb they are having a an absolute mess absolute mess of a rollout <laughs> Yeah, I think that, yeah, I think, you know, it's sort of sort of thing where I've seen a lot of tech bros making a lot of comments about how poorly they've handled it and how um, bad the engineering work is and all of that. While I understand that it's a very, 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 very painful experience for customers, the only thing I would say is like having worked in like a traditional organization and tried to do work with legacy systems it's the sort of thing where you plan you build you test you test you test but when you go live it just it does not work the way you expected and unfortunately for them it's an app update and they yeah like before you know, the last time they did an app update they released like a new app so you still had your old app and you could still transact to your old app and then you could gradually change to the new app when you're good and ready. But this time around, the reason why a lot of people are kind of stuck and it's really painful is because, you know, um, yeah, you're stuck. They can't access your money unless you, well, I don't use internet banking, but they've been redirecting people to internet banking or, you know, go back into the branch. But it's been a mess. You know what I find interesting about this, um, the comments on the GTB thing? You think that, you know, most of the people talking to have apps that work seamlessly. Just because <laughs> you don't have the distribution of that GTB has. And when your own business was happening, nobody knew because you only have like 200 real users. Like, I'm not saying this to exonerate GTB. It clearly, sh- shipping products is, is hard work, right? Um, but at the same time, it happens. It's not ideal. And you can argue that maybe a company of their size shouldn't be having issues at this level, like 
to that extent. But it, it happens, man. And we need to get, like, we need to get over it. People have been having issues. People have been having issues with them since. They did yeah, have, that's why I can't take easily. I can't take you guys to very seriously. I, I'm sorry. People have been complaining about GTB and their issues since since even before technology issues, there were operational issues inside the branches. Nobody went anywhere. Everybody continued using GCP. Might as well just suck it up and keep it moving. I beg. <laughs> I think what we call, we shouldn't let GTB off the hook. This, this was a this no. was horrendous. This was horrendous. I, I don't think any startup survives this thing GTB has done. The thing is, I don't think Sato has gotten to the point where you're doing like such a major app update or you get what I mean? Um, yeah, but I'm not making excuses for them. I'm just providing additional content because as a customer, I wasn't able to get into my app until like, um, was it on Sunday? That's like two weeks after the launch or something, right? Um, so Are you still banking with them? I mean, I never complain. Don't worry about me. My relationship with them is different. Don't worry about me. <laughs> there we go. Don't worry about me. Um, but yeah, moving on swiftly, Verve. Verve announced that they have finally crossed 50 million cards issued. Um, it's a big deal because it meant that they grew for 2%, I believe, in 2022. And then later on, as of March 2022, I believe, and then later on in 2022, about October, they announced a partnership with Opay where they'll be issuing instant cards, instant verb cards with Opay. Now, anybody that signs Opay right now, you know you're going to see numbers. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what their numbers look like by the end of 2023. Um, and I believe from the chat we had earlier, this is significant, not just because of the numbers. Well, the numbers are significant for A, because it's Verve and it's like significant growth for them as a business, but then B, it's also speaking to some of the points we made in the last episode around just how expensive it is for financial services institutions in Nigeria to issue Visa and MasterCard to their customers. And so people are getting creative about or being more deliberate about um, segmenting customers and then issuing cards according to segments to ensure that they're making you know money out of their cards business thoughts comments yeah. so what's it called i think you verb is in the right position for even more growth because before it was bad enough because a lot of like i mentioned before a lot of the billing is in fx and usd now if you pay the naira you paid at CBN rates, right? Now CBN rate is almost 2X what it was then. So even if you are paying in Naira or you're paying in FX, your card, your cost of running your card business has, I mean, if it was not insane before, it is definitely insane now. And I think this is where Verve will start picking some wins. I mean, obviously it started a while ago where banks, where they didn't give you what's it called they didn't give you visa or mastercard by default like you had to show some value i think it's even going to be worse now like everybody most people i mean because everybody is a, is a verb issuer 
that's even um, phase one. Every bank I know, in fact, every bank in the industry is a verb issuer. Now you see them lean into verb even more. See them try to sell verb even more. Like, in fact, you might even have to beg if you want visa because you have to be valuable, a valuable customer that they can make money off before they can justify that expense on you. So I think this whole FX thing will also boost. I think Verve is like an unlikely or a quiet winner of our current FX regime. Yeah, I'll definitely be looking out to see their numbers. Well, if they release their numbers, because I don't think I'd ever seen Verve numbers until this recent um, publication. Anyways, moving on to CBN and some recent, I guess, related news. So CBN released a I don't even know what they call it anymore circular I don't know which one no, just demand notice or to financial Sorry. services but I just realized that I spent over five minutes today trying to remember circular and I was saying <laughs> policy <laughs> so- now that I just realized that it's circular that I was trying to recall but apologies please carry on yeah, so CBN issued a circular recently notifying all financial institutions that they must now they must now um collect prospective customers' social media handles as part of their KYC requirements. I believe they have not hundred percent backtracked, but then I don't think they're really enforcing it at this time um, because I don't think. I don't. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I understand the spirit behind. It. I understand the spirit behind it, rather, but I just don't understand how practical it is to so collect people's handles when they can change it. Like, it's I don't know. not even new, to be honest with you. Like m- many, so I don't know if you guys know, but the account opening forms, right? Um, like there's a standard for what you know, reflect on that, on that form. And social media information is one of the um, optional, you know, like fields that's, that exists on that form. And it started making an appearance when many banks started to look to social media as a channel for customer support, right? Um, I remember I worked in I, I worked in a bank and I used to, in fact, before I would email, you know, customer contact center, I would send them a Twitter DM, you know. So first of all, like I don't think it's a new thing as as such. Secondly, I'm not sh- I'm not sure that it was ever a like a real thing that they want like they wanted to to enforce. It was just one of those things that they had raised because even during we're trying to get some license like this at some point um, at at work. And it was one of the things that they recommended very strongly that we collect, especially when it comes to merchants information. So I don't think they were trying to spin it as like a core requirement. I think they were or the, the spirit behind it was use social media information you know, as part of your KYC evaluation process. And I mean, there are some people that if you, if you search for their social media, 
you will not open you like you won't deal with them in, in in financial services so i i think that was what they were trying to do as opposed to new instruction like we must follow this all right i mean so with the whole social media requirement i think ultimately they're just trying to determine character of individuals right um to safeguard financial institutions long term um but yeah it's, it'll still be interesting it's be interesting to see if any organization actually starts to implement it on yeah. another note Sorry, uh, we have... anybody who tries to implement it by force they will not believe what their eyes will see their <laughs> customers will show them they customers. customers that didn't customers that didn't want to give you BVN that you already have for Inaira, you are now asking them to forcefully give you their social media so that you can come and arrest them, Abi. Yeah, there will be no way for them to enforce it and I think it will just die down. Yeah. Word. Okay, on to another CBN issue. Apologies for yawning. These guys have been recording at almost 10 p.m. in the night. Um, it, it, it's not is when you say guys is no sir mm-hmm. um released an update that i'm still not sure i understand what they're doing um so please if somebody understands you can shed some light uh basically i mean their mfp license doesn't look like it's coming back anytime soon that's one um that would be psp license but i think this is really CBN is really handicapping their access to payment services. What I want to know is what is it that AO did that got CBN so mad? I hear that one of those that they did was that they didn't have an MD for the MFB, like executive management. And they couldn't put one in, not even acting capacity. I don't know. I'm just hearing that like they didn't have and it was one of the things that they had told them about. But again, I have no way of verifying this. Um just just to clarify. Um but a- a- again like like we said on the previous episode, it's very unlikely that the CBN will just wake up out of the blue and revoke your license. Whatever it is, they will have communicated to you well. Like it will be very clear what it is that you have done. So I honestly don't know. But if somebody is out there that knows exactly what happened, please DM us. We can keep you anonymous. Yeah, I'm very, I'm very, very curious because this is a it's a very heavy response. It's a very, very heavy response from the CBN. Awesome. Well, I believe that's all for this episode. Until um, the next episode, thank you for listening to the Open Africa podcast and you can follow us on social media. The way Furo ended this meeting is so clear that there's rice waiting for her. There's no rice. Like, like we are dissolving our life. And Osa is you that I'm choosing to blame for this. Please, oh we said evening. Next time, evening is between the hours of 3 p.m. and 7 p.m., not uh, almost midnight. Sorry. <laughs>